Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. The Lord Jesus Christ declared that we are to be one. His followers are to be one, just as he and the Father are one. But one of the things that takes place when different groups decide they want unity at the cost for truth is a version of ecumenism that is not from the love of the Father nor the truth of his word. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing the doctrines of Catholicism and whether or not Catholics, according to Scripture, are indeed Christians. To discuss this very, very important topic is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Praise the Lord, bro. I'm excited to get into this. I didn't know you were going to start with that scripture. That's a great passage. That's the prayer of Christ. At the same time, in that high priestly prayer, as you know, he also said, Father, sanctify them, which means set them apart from evil, consecrated unto me and the Father by the Holy Spirit, sanctify them by thy truth. So true oneness comes when we are united in the truth. The, the psalmist said, I'm companion with all those who fear thee, those who fear the Lord and bow down to God's word, uh, what he has said, and, and worship him first and, and, and are, are walking in the truth. They end up being hand in hand. And that's the question. We can't have this willy-nilly kind of, oh, let's sing kumbaya, let's all be one, even if you're denying that Jesus is Christ, you're denying salvation by grace through faith or, or whatever a group is particularly denying. We can only walk in oneness with those who truly follow Christ. Amen. And the important thing in this specific episode that we're going to be discussing as part of a greater topic, and that is Catholicism examined. We're going to be looking at the doctrines that Catholics have been teaching for a number of years. And in this specific episode, we're going to be talking as to whether or not Christians can say, yes, Catholics as well are Christians. And this kind of ecumenical movement that I would say really started in the 1960s when it comes to the Catholics having Vatican II back in October of 1962, and them saying those who are baptized outside of the Catholic Church actually are just separated brethren. Only to the 1970s, you begin different parachurch movements with Frank Schaeffer and Francis Schaeffer, also working alongside Jerry Falwell. And then eventually the 1994 document that would come out concerning evangelicals and Catholics together, put together by Charles Colson and the convert to Catholicism, Mr. Newhouse. So when we look at that, Joe, and that kind of seems, at least now, when you think of top apologists, guys like Dr. Frank Turek, guys like William Lane Craig, who when they're asked about whether or not Catholics are Christians, they simply just say, well, maybe some Baptists are too, and I disagree with Presbyterian theology as well, and they're Christian as well. It seems, Joe, like both sides of the aisle here are saying, let's come together and let's hold hands so with all of that, we have to see if we agree with that statement because we have to ask the questions. 
according to Scripture, are Roman Catholics, are they indeed Christians? That's a good question, but keep in mind you got guys like Frank Turk who seems to be saying that uh, even Harry Potter, the sorcerer, is a Christian. So <laughs> some people have a very broad brush. Uh, but that, that's a very important question. Uh, and to answer the question, yeah, are Roman Catholics Christians? Of course we believe that there would be some in the Roman Catholic Church that are Christians. I used to say, yeah, there's some Roman Catholics that are Christians uh, in spite of their doctrine, but I don't believe there are any Roman Catholics who are Christians, period. You know why I make that statement? Because if you're truly a Roman Catholic, according to Roman Catholicism, you have to adhere to Roman Catholic doctrine, and through that doctrine and by believing certain things and doing certain things, you're able to merit your salvation so if someone's truly Roman Catholic and truly adhering to the doctrines and truly trying to earn their salvation, then they couldn't be saved based on what the scriptures say. However, if they are in the Roman Catholic Church and they're not adhering to certain doctrines and they put their head in the pillow at the night and they're trying and they're, they're following Jesus, their faith is in him, and they believe salvation is by grace through faith, even though they happen to be in a Catholic church, I believe many of those folks are saved. Many people die that way in the Lord. But I also believe that the Lord will eventually, uh, typically and often, you know, I can't say in every case because some people may have late in their life or we don't know all the circumstances between God and them, but we'll lead them out of that movement. But it's a really good question. And it's, I, I like to ask the question to uh, to really shed light on this issue. Is And it's funny, I asked this question or a form of this to a gentleman I was witnessing to on the streets today. And I went and talked to him. It lasted about a half hour, and I'm glad I did. His name is Albert. And I said, Albert, similar question, you know, uh, I just asked him, do you believe you have to keep the Sabbath to be to be saved, you know? And he didn't want to give me a straight answer. Later at the end, he kind of, I said, well, what do your leaders teach? And he didn't want to say yes or no. And I said, I'm just asking you this because it says we're under the new covenant, not the old. We're not under the law of Moses. And I opposed the book of Galatians to him. And I asked him this question. I said, you're familiar in the book of Galatians that Paul comes down on the Judaizers uh, and those who are succumbing to their teaching because Paul is saying we're saved by grace through faith alone throughout the book of Galatians. We're justified by grace through faith and that it's not by the works of the law and so forth. And the Judaizers were teaching that you had to keep certain days of worship, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. They were teaching you had to be circumcised and keep that aspect of the law of Moses to be right with God. And I asked him, I said, now, when you look at that, I said, are you seeking to do anything that the scriptures mention to be right with God as far as be saved, or are you simply accepting Christ's gift on the cross as the means of salvation alone, apart from uh, earning your salvation? And we went back and forth for quite a while. And, you know, I, I prayed for him since. You know, I, I pray that his eyes are open. We had a great talk. We, we had it on good terms. I let him know I love him and so forth. But what's interesting is I, I, I say the same thing with regard to Catholics. When we ask, is our Catholics saved? I'd ask the question, if I talk to a Catholic, it would be, well, it might be a wise approach to ask them and say, hey, or just ask them when you're talking to, hey, were the Judaizers at the Church of Galatia saved? Or were those who were believing in their doctrines that you had to be circumcised uh, to be saved, uh, were they saved? And most people, anybody that knows the scripture would say, no, absolutely not. Because you see Paul in Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 9, he says, I marvel that you are so quickly deserting him who has called you into the grace of Christ to another gospel. And then he says, but if we or even an angel from heaven preaches another gospel to you than that which we preached to you, let him be accursed. 
Now, Paul said, I declare unto you the gospel by which we are being saved. You hold fast that which I first assured to you, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15. He was buried, and that he rose again according to the scriptures. And then in 2 Corinthians, he talks to the same people. He warns that just as the serpent deceived Eve, their minds would be corrupted from their simple devotion to Christ, and that they could receive a different gospel. For no wonder Satan transformed himself into an angel of light, and his ministers transformed themselves into ministers of righteousness. So Paul warns about this a different Jesus, a different gospel. And we look at that, we say, okay, what were the Galatians teaching that Paul quantified as a different gospel. And we better get this right, folks. We better understand what's going on here. Paul tells them in chapter 3, in no uncertain terms, right after he says in chapter 2, verse 16, that we're not justified and made right with God through the works of law, but by grace, but by, by, by grace, you know, through faith. And then he says in chapter 3, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit through the works of the law or through faith? He says, you started well, you began in the Spirit, but now you're trying to be perfected by the flesh. Then in chapter 4, he says, in verse 9 and following, I'm afraid of, I'm afraid I'm, I've run my race in vain that you're trying to keep days and all these things. They says in chapter 5, verse 1, stand fast to the Christians that are still focused on the true gospel that's not by works that, but whereby they can earn their salvation. He says, stand fast in the grace by which Christ or the freedom by which Christ has set you free and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Then he warns if any of you are circumcised in their effort to be right with God, he says, you'll be severed from Christ. You have fallen from grace. So we're talking about just simply receiving circumcision. Now, if someone's circumcised as a Christian because they want to be circumcised, that's fine. Between you and God. But if you're circumcised because you're like, I have to be circumcised or I won't be saved in the end, then the scriptures say you are under a false gospel. You are under a curse. Now, that's why this is so critical. So I shared this with Albert. And as I was, I shared some of those passages from Galatians with him as well. And he was tripping out. He was like, because he said at one point in our conversation, well, I don't believe salvation is a free gift. You know, he goes, you have, to, you have to earn it. I mean, I'm like, whoa, man. I go, do your leaders actually say that to you? And then I told him, I offered him my, uh, my bag of fruit. You know, I had, used to have two or three bags, but I had just one big bag of fruit and kefir. And I said, hey, if I give this to you as a gift, you, you know, that'd be a blessing probably. You know, I go, but if I told you after you took it, but hey, if you really want it, what you have to do is you have to go put, get all the shopping carts in the parking lot here. I go, would it really be a gift at that point? He said, no. And that's the argument Paul used as well in Romans 4. So listen to some of these scriptures which show us clearly that salvation is purely by grace through faith and that works are not a part of why we are God saves us, not anything that we do earns that salvation. And then also understand, and we're going to get into this when we look at the, the false gospel of, of Roman Catholicism, that what Rome, Roman Catholicism actually teaches is that you actually earn your salvation. It's not just purely a gift. In fact, look at these, some of these verses, bro. John chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus himself said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That's a gift. Whoever believes him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Ephesians chapter 2, and I love this, verses 8 and 9. By grace are you saved. Paul spells it out. By grace are you saved. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I think that is so important that we understand in 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul says he saved us and called us, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. For we maintain, Paul says, that a man is justified by faith and not by works of the law. In chapter 4, verse 3, he says, For what does the scripture say? And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Chapter 4, verse 5. But to the one who does not work, 
but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. Romans 5.1, Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. A couple more. Titus 3.5 says he saved us not because of deeds we have done uh, in righteousness, he says, but by virtue of his mercy. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, we read this. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have we have believed in Christ Jesus, he says, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the likes, emphasizing this over and over and over again, since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, Chad, I, I, when I share, I share with Catholics a lot uh, when I'm witnessing, and when I'm witnessing to Roman Catholics, and they say, oh, I'm Catholic, I'm Roman Catholic. Okay, well, you know, let's talk about this, man. And I show them scriptures that were saved by grace through faith. They're blown away. They're like, well, I've never seen that before. Uh, well, I don't really read the Bible, you know. They don't really get encouraged to read the Bible, and they're blown away. Why do you think millions and millions of people have left the Roman Catholic Church and become Christians because they've realized I'm believing a lie that I have to do all these things to earn favor with God, and then he'll give me this gift based on what I've done, and he'll have some grace thrown in, but I also got to do these things to earn salvation. Now, we believe true believers who truly are putting their faith in Christ, we believe that will have works. Faith without works is dead, right? We believe in the fruit of the Spirit. So, But those are evidences of our faith. Those aren't any, they don't merit our salvation. Roman Catholicism actually teaches, they do, and you're going to see that, they teach that we merit our salvation by good works. That's a false gospel. Yeah, and I think that for those who are listening, uh, you know, when it comes to maybe more modern-day Roman Catholic apologists, what you're seeing online is an influx of a number of different teachers, whether it's Father Schmitz, not that I like to call people Father, as Jesus told us not to, but Quoting, nonetheless, uh, but also Bishop Barron or Matt Frad with Pints of Aquinas or the Council of Trent with Trent Horn. You're seeing these guys over and over again online, and these guys are becoming quite popular, and mm-hmm. it's really, really interesting to kind of see what they're doing. And I recently watched the testimony of someone who actually came out of Eastern Orthodoxy. And one of the things that he talked about was that he was reading from specific liturgy in the Eastern Orthodox Church, and some of the Mariology and some of the things that are said to her that seemingly give her attributes that would only be given to God himself. Uh, And it was really interesting how he kind of equated it because he said, I'm not much of a sports fan, but this is what a lot of the Eastern Orthodox are reading in the end zone. And when they're trying to convert someone, basically what they're giving them is what is at the 15-yard line. Well, it's not that big of a deal. And I've turned on some of these channels before, and it's like, oh, well, you know, we don't worship Mary. You know, we we don't we don't pray to her, and you know we she should be counted blessed throughout all generations. Hail Mary, full of grace. That's not a prayer to Mary. Come no, on. yeah, one hundred percent. And oh well, you know what? When when the Pope tweets out that that they're going to entrust the entire year to Mary, they're just trusting that she's going to help guide her and with full assurance and all of this. And you see this, and what they call it in politics is spin. Yeah. And what I see from these guys is, I'm sorry, the truth is, a lot of snake oil salesmen. Because what they're selling us over and over again on these channels is simply spin. Well, this isn't actually so bad. And in fact, when I've talked to those who were even considering converting to Catholicism or some that are already in it, 
a lot of times their argumentation is not, well, this is what I see in scripture. Actually, I've never heard that. What is usually the argumentation is that, well, it's not as bad as I've been told, or it's not as much, and they caricature what has maybe been explained in evangelical circles as, hey, this is wrong and this is wrong, and then they take that caricature and they say, well, that's easy to dispel, and they listen to the spin put on by many of these bishops and so forth, not realizing they're not reading what's in the end zone to you. They're only giving you what's at the 15-yard line. And we're going to be reading as well as we get into this, Joe, from the Council of Trent. And one argument I've heard, and we talked about this in the beginning, and that was Vatican II that happened in the 1960s, where now if you were baptized in another church, you're not anathematized anymore. You're actually separated brethren. And so— Just everybody prior to that seemed to be anathematized by the Council of Trent. And well, that would be the major know, issue, yep. because the truth is, is that as Bible-believing Christians, we do believe in apostolic succession. We believe that the apostles left the scriptures to us to succeed so that we would be able to read the scriptures and go back to what the apostles actually taught through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit who moved them. Amen. So what you have to believe is that the church, even when it was getting things wrong, still got mostly right over and over again. And every Catholic would have to believe there's been popes that have been anathematized as well, specifically after they passed away. They believe that the church has done wrong moves, had wrong motives and so forth that needed to be cleaned up. But ultimately, what you'd have to believe is that from the Council of Trent, when we read some of these anathemas towards those who believe the same gospel as Paul and Jesus, you're going to have to believe that the church for 400 years decided that they were anathematized. Anyone who believed being saved by grace through faith, it's a gift of God and not by works, lest any man should boast. Anyone who believed that was anathematized for 400 years. And then once, you know, once the council... You know, the, the council met on October 11th of 1962 for three entire years. Then now we can be accepted. And that right there just not only leads to so many problems, so many issues, but it just shows you the moving of time with tradition as Jesus was very clear that this sort of behavior, when you have tradition above Scripture, you actually nullify the Word of God. So, with all of that, Joe, we have to get to the next question because this is important, specifically with what we're talking about, because that movement in 1962, what the Catholic Church did, and now what so many Christians have done in accepting Catholicism as simply, hey, it's the same thing as Presbyterian or, or Baptist or whatever. Now you see this kind of melding together that these aren't big deals. Rick Warren was very clear. Oh, Catholics, the Pope is really a Pope for all of us, and Catholics— you know what, they don't really worship Mary. They don't do all these things that your Christian pastor has warned you about for so long because they're not in the Scripture. No, that's not true. And we've seen this. And a lot of people, and I'll say this, William Lane Craig, for example, has used this specifically, and that is the model of mere Christianity, that there is a version of Christianity that as long as you believe these simple doctrines, then adding plus to it is not that big of a deal we're just, you know, we have a little difference of opinion. So do you believe that mere Christianity actually does justice to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, I guess it would be how you define what is necessary to be saved, not only to believe, but also what's necessary not to believe or not to do. For instance, somebody could say, well, look, man, the Galatians, they believe that Jesus is God. You know, they believe that X, Y, and Z. But guess what? also believe that you had to be circumcised to be right with God. 
And therefore, Paul pronounces, and he actually uses the Greek word anathema, upon those who believe that. So you can't say, well, because they believe this, Catholics believe in the Trinity, you know, uh, Augustine was such a, a, a champion of, of, of the triune Godhead and so forth, so they've got to be Christians. Believing the Trinity doesn't make you a Christian. The devils believe and tremble, the Bible says. So what's interesting to me, though, is when you even look at mere Christianity, uh, you look at C.S. Lewis, that's where the term came from, from his book, Mere Christianity, and then he distills what it means to be a Christian in that book. And uh, I, no doubt C.S. Lewis has made some amazing uh, truth statements, but he also has mixed in a lot of darkness at times, not to mention the, you know, or to go into uh, his breadth, which is voluminous of, of, of honoring occultic type themes. But with C.S. Lewis, even his book, Mere Christianity, it's treated as though the way he reduces Christianity is, is he, he also defines it beyond the narrow road that leads to, to, to life, and he gets you on the broad road too, you know? I mean, he says some good things like, you know, uh, that are for apologists, you know, that, hey, everybody in every culture has appealed to a higher morality, which shows you that there's someone transcendent beyond us who makes some really great statements in that book. I read it as a brand new Christian, but at the same time, I was shaking my head at certain things. And I got to the point where, you know, I just couldn't promote him, you know. Uh, and I, I, one of the things he teaches in Mere Christianity, Chad, is uh, his inclusivist idea that you can be, as far as reducing Christianity, he has his scissors, people walking around, you know, that, that are Christians. They, they, they have a relationship. They're, they're saved, you know, and they're Christians. They just don't know they're Christians. They don't know Jesus. They don't know who Jesus is, but they're Christians. But they just don't have the knowledge of Christ. And, you know, that is so unbiblical. And that gives people the idea that, wow, there's a lot of brothers and sisters. They just don't know they're brothers and sisters. And it leads, lends to the idea there's a lot of Muslims that are really Christians, you know, and so forth, which we're seeing in the ecumenical movement today. Uh, and also... Really, I mean, well, because Catholics actually know that Jesus is God. They must be Christians. And it's interesting because uh, when, I, when I read about Cornelius in chapter 10 and 11 of the book of Acts, man, if anybody was close to the kingdom, it was him. You know, he was fasting according to, you know, Rome would love that. He's fasting and he's, he's praying and, and he's giving alms and he believes in Yahweh as the one true God. He has all, but guess what? He wasn't saved. And when you read Acts chapter 10 and verse chapter 11, God had to move heaven and earth, literally dispatched angels, gave visions between Peter and Cornelius. He brings them together. Cornelius hears the true gospel of Jesus Christ and what Christ had done for, his, done for him. It's at that point that we are told that he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he received the Holy Spirit as the gospel was being preached to him. And it uses in chapter 10, when you read 10 and 11, talks about you know, that experience is where he was saved. So he wasn't saved prior to that time. So that inclusivist idea in mere Christianity is very unscriptural. Uh, well, what about the person who is like, you know, the aborigine or the person, you know, well, Jesus said in John 7, 17, he that wills to do the will of the Father will know the truth, will know the doctrine. And the Bible says he that fears the Lord, it says the secret of the Lord be re revealed to him and he'll make his covenant known to them. So nobody goes, slips through God's fingers. So if somebody doesn't know who God is and they're responding to the light that's given them, they want to serve the one true God, like Cornelius. God will move heaven and earth, and he'll bring the, he sent his son to die for him. How much more will he reach that person? But that person still has to receive Christ to become a Christian and be born again and enter the kingdom of God. And God will do that in, in that person's life if that person sincerely seeks him because he's God. The other thing that C.S. Lewis teaches there, which is also a Roman Catholic doctrine, which is so false because he's actually teaching things that are outside the pale of Christianity, uh, is that we are God, that, that we are little Jesuses. That in, in fact, he teaches 
Uh, every Christian in, this, in mere Christianity, every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. He says, the same way the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ to make them little Christ. God became man for no other purpose. So he describes the gospel as God, the main, the, the only real purpose was to make us little Jesus, little Christ. Well, guess what the Roman Catholic Church is? This is from the uh, Catholic Church Catechism number 460. For the Son of God became man so that we might become God. The only begotten Son wanting to make us sharers in his divinity assumed our nature so that he made man that might make men gods. Now, what they're doing there, they're quoting from Athanasius in the first quote that we become gods. In the Greek, Athanasius uses the word uh, that connects to theo, which is, could be translated better, deification or deified. And many scholars believe that he's saying there, not that we become gods, but that we partake of God's uh, divine, divine nature, his communicable attributes, not yeah. his incommunicable attributes like omniscience and omni, um, omnipresence and uh, so forth. And in that way, we are, as Peter said, 2 Peter 1.9, uh, partakers of one for partakers yeah. of the divine nature, but uh, and that is that we receive the Holy Spirit and we become like the Lord, but that we don't actually become God. Well, Roman Catholicism just literally teaches straight out, and they take that and say, "Hey, look, we become God." Now that sounds like the lie from the Garden of Eden. And Aquinas uh, gave the other; they quote Aquinas there as well. Uh, so it's interesting when we look at what's being taught as broad as as mere Christianity by many apologists. Well, take. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis himself, he broadens it so beyond the narrow road that you can incorporate people that don't even know who Jesus is as Christians. And when you start to do that because people believe certain truth claims, but they still deny the gospel, they still believe that you have to earn your way to salvation. Paul, again, and I, I end the last part of this question by just saying, would Paul say, well, guess what? The Galatians do have mere Christianity because they believe Jesus is God, because they believe Jesus died for their sins. No, those that had succumbed to the belief that you had to earn your salvation uh, had fallen to a different gospel, and that's outside the parameters of biblical orthodoxy, and we cannot call them Christians. And by the way, if we love Roman Catholics, you know. I grew up as a little kid. I, I grew up as a Roman Catholic, you know. I mean, I didn't know what it was, you know. I made my confirmation and everything, and, and guess what? I didn't know what the gospel was. And when I was about just turning 18, I truly cried out to Christ. Didn't know any, didn't know any Christians. And became a Christian. As I began reading my Bible, I knew, I knew that the Roman Catholic Church wasn't teaching right because I knew what they were teaching, and I never was hearing the gospel there. But you know what I did? I went. I was 17, going on 18, right around that time. My dear mom pleaded with me, "Can't you go to the Catholic Church and just, you know, give them a chance?" And I said, "You know what? I'll do that for you." And I thought I'd get a chance to talk to a priest. And I talked to that priest. And that priest was so off his biblical rockers, man. I was like, "Wow, he's just out there." And then I began to look at what the Roman Catholic Church. Church taught, I thought, well, they've convoluted the gospel, and God protected me from believing a system that became the traditions of men. And Jesus warned about the traditions of men, whereby they teach the commandments or doctors of men as the commandments of God. And if you really love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to want to please Him and serve Him. You're going to want to test everything in light of what Holy Scripture says. Yeah, and it's really important for us to make sure we understand these differences do actually matter. And when it comes to just saying, well, as long as they merely believe these certain tenets, uh, that is the danger there. And, and Joe, this leads us right into the next question, because we've already asked if Catholics are Christians. 
But we need to know if the doctrines from Rome are actually teaching something that is not just simply in error, but also is another gospel entirely. So with that question, Joe, does the Roman Catholic version of the gospel, does it actually, in fact, teach another gospel? Absolutely. Uh, Chad, you're familiar with the Council of Trent and in a response to the Reformation. And the Reformers were saying we're saved by grace through faith. That's what Paul says here. You know, Martin Luther, who was a Roman Catholic monk, he started reading the scriptures and realized, wait a minute, I'm, and he's all flagellating himself, beating himself, hoping he can earn favor before God. He realized, wait a minute, it's a free gift. What am I doing? And what's a trip is uh, when the gospel began to get spread, the true gospel that we're saved by grace through faith, and, uh, and there was that response to indulgences because the Roman Catholics were charging people to get out of heaven and that you can give money and get your relatives out of heaven or out of purgatory, I should say, and they wouldn't burn in the flames quite as long because you could pay their way out. Uh, there was this response and, and all kinds of millions and millions of people in Germany and then throughout the rest of Europe and uh, were becoming Christians. Uh, but what happened is, which made it really, really clear what Rome taught, because, and Chad, you know, because you've been quoting Vatican II, that Vatican II upheld the Council of Trent. Yes, it did. And the Council of Trent condemns those who believe we're saved purely by God's grace as a gift through faith and that not of our works. They basically anathematized the Apostle Paul. And they even anathematized Jesus himself, if you really apply what they said. To, because Jesus himself said in John chapter 5, verse 24, that he that believes, not he that believe, he that he that believes and then does certain things, get out of purgatory and keeps the seven sacraments and and and, and wears a brown scapular or is baptized in the Roman Catholic Church or or it believes the church is or the Pope is infallible and submits to his authority and all these other things. He that believes, he said, has passed from death to life and shall not come into condemnation. Now it's interesting. Let me let's see what the Council of Trent says in the, in the Roman Catholic Church's Catechism, the CCC, 2006-8. The Council of Trent, they say, teaches that the Ten Commandments are obligatory for Christians. That would include the Sabbath, by the way, which they believe was moved to, moved to Sunday, which it wasn't. Christ is our Sabbath today. The Ten Commandments are obligatory for Christians in that the justified man is still bound to keep them. goes on to say, all men may attain salvation through faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments. That's how you obtain salvation. Uh, CCC, or Catholic Church Catechism 2010, moved by the Holy Spirit and charity, we can merit, merit means to earn, we can merit for ourselves and for others graces needed for our sanctification, which they look at as part of the salvation, uh, the gift of salvation. But they've got to merit it, okay? Again, Paul, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, says quite the contrary. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even as we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith and not by works of the law, since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, again, the Galatians were believing, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but you've got to keep the works of the law, too. And Paul's condemning that mentality now, it's interesting. Listen to Council 9, or Canon 9 of the Council of Trent, uh, Chad. This is just what the Judaizers were teaching pretty much. Uh, uh, and remember, Paul puts those who are teaching that you have to have works to earn your salvation. as be- He was anathematizing them. Rome turns around and anathematizes anybody that believes what Paul said. Uh, in the Council of Trent, Canon 9, we read, If anyone saith that by faith alone the impious is justified, let him be anathema. Okay, 
Now, I just managed, uh, again, he just cursed Paul, Jesus, and everybody else, right? And uh, listen to this, Council 9, I'm sorry, Canon 12 of the Council of Trent, Chad. If anyone shall say that justifying faith is nothing, nothing else than faith or confidence in the divine mercy, pardoning the sins of Christ for Christ's sake, which is what evangelical Christians believe, and what Christians have believed for 2,000 years, or that is that confidence alone by which we are justified, by faith alone, let him be accursed or anathematized, anathema, canon 14. If anyone saith that by faith alone, absolution and justification are affected, let him be anathema. Now, Chad, I know what some people may be thinking. They may be thinking, well, do they mean that people are saying we're saved by grace, by faith, and that works aren't even part of the fruit or part of the evidence of that transition? Maybe the Catholics are saying, well, we're saved by grace through faith, but there should be evidence, meaning in works and fruit would be evidence that that's not what they're saying. In fact, we, Chad, you and I, and almost all all true evangelicals will say, if you're truly saved by grace through faith, there'll be the evidence of good works in your life. There'll be the fruit of your salvation. The fruit doesn't earn your salvation. It's the, the fruit. The root is grace through faith. The fruit of that is what comes later, the works that we do because we love God. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. But we don't obey them to get into his favor. We can't earn a gift. So this is what's crazy about this, is listen to what the Council of Trent says in respect to that. If anyone says that the justice or justification received is not preserved and also not increased before God through good works, but that those works are merely the fruits and signs of justification obtained, but not the cause of the increase, let him be anathema. So they're basically cursing all evangelicals who say, we're not saved by the works. We don't earn them. That's the fruit of our salvation. We were under curse. So how could we be one and become one with Roman Catholics when they have us under a curse? couple more. Uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, 2027. No one can merit the initial grace, which is at the origin of conversion. And at, so far we say, well, well, they're getting it right. They switched what they've just been saying this whole time in the, in the Council of Trent. No, listen to what they're going to say. Moved by the Holy Spirit, we can merit. We can earn. We can work for. We can merit for ourselves and for others. It's just crazy. That gets into the treasure of merit, which we'll get into later. And for others, all the grace is needed to attain eternal life, as well as the necessary temporal good deeds. Now, the question is, well, what do they mean by merit there? Glad you asked. Listen to what they say about merit. They say in the Catholic Catechism of the Catholic Church 2006 that merit is, quote, the recompense owed by a community or a society for the action of one of its members experiencing either as beneficial or harmful, deserving reward or punishment. So basically saying that you can earn your salvation. Now, Paul, as you know, Chad, makes a really strong argument in Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 11, that if you can earn your salvation, if it's given because of not just faith, but but given because of works that you've done, Paul says that 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 would ruin the salvation, that God's plan of salvation, that he said, would make, make it no longer a gift, is what Paul argues. Romans eleven six. 6, he says this, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Or as the NLT translation says, and since it is through God's kindness or grace, uh, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. Paul says in Romans 4, 3 through 5, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, he says, he says, the wage is not credited as a favor, but as what it is, as what is due. So he goes on to draw his point now. But to the one who does not work, 
but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Now, Chad, in a moment, we should probably look at, it's not, in what kind of works, what things do you have to believe, what things do you have to do to earn salvation in Roman Catholicism, which I'm sure we'll get into as we continue to talk about this. Uh, but I better breathe for a second and let you comment, bro, because I want to talk about Mary. I want to talk about the papacy. I want to talk about purgatory because these are all things that are necessary for you to believe or to practice to earn God's favor so you can have salvation, which is not just initial prevenient grace, which they say is free, or justification, which they say is a gift, but they also say you have to earn, or sanctification, or eternal life. They say all oh, the entire salvation, they put that all in the banner of salvation. Therefore, but a bunch of that must be earned or merited. Yeah, and one of the interesting things that you're quoting there as well is when they add to the faith there, the baptism and the keeping of the commandments there. And it's very interesting because for those who have studied uh, Mormon doctrine and so forth, most people know that when you look at the Book of Mormon, because so much of it is just stolen from the Bible, literally quoting giant portions of the Scripture and so forth, uh, making it his own and, and moving stuff around, there's not all that much doctrine. You get most of that in Doctrines and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, or the Journal of Discourses, and so forth. And when we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says so clearly that we're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and it's not of works. It's so clear. And then when we see 2 Nephi 23, 25, 23, right next to it, it says you are saved by grace through faith, after all you can do. Now, all of us would point to that and say, that's rank heresy. How mm -hmm. could they add that and honestly take from where it says it's not by works, lest any man should boast, take out from that and add after all you can do. We can obviously see that the Book of Mormon teaches a works-based salvation, and when we put it next to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and the Book of Mormon, we could throw this out and say, without a doubt, the Book of Mormon is not is another gospel, and it's not from the Lord. But, but then we read from that, Joe, as you quoted so clearly that they add baptism and the keeping of the commandments as well. And this is what I talk about uh, earlier when I was mentioning that so much, as, as uh, an ex-Eastern Orthodox had mentioned, of what you're getting in, you know, on yard 15, and they're reading in the end zone here, so much of it's, well, yeah, but look, baptism, this is a sacrament, we see it in the other church and so forth, blah, 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 blah not realizing we'll keep it going. Because as you mentioned, they're applying the Old Covenant as well, right there yeah. to them, that you must keep these Ten Commandments as part of the Old Covenant. Yeah. And now it's part of the New Covenant as well, not recognizing so clearly as Romans 7 makes it very clear that if you're married to that, right, it needs to die before you can marry anew. And that's mm -hmm. what Paul specifically mentions at the beginning of Romans 7 to show us mm -hmm. that we're dead to that. We know that we have a better covenant now, according right. to Hebrews, a much better covenant. Praise God for that. And all of these things that we're reading, and we just see so clearly, Joe, when we read it next to it, the adding of. And we call it a plus religion for a reason, because we can show in other religions when, when it's a minus religion, they've taken away the deity of Christ, right? Or some of them, they've taken away the Father and the Son, and now it's just oneness and so forth. And so they're taking away. Those are minus religions, easy to point out and say this is false. But then, just like Mormonism, there is a plus religion. Because as we'll get into it in other episodes, when it comes to getting away from the scripture, this is how we get to these dangers. This is how we get to this heresy, because they go on further than that which is written. And so, Joe, as you mentioned, we've only talked about another gospel. 
even though that's a very, very important thing, because uh, we're saved by grace through faith. And guys, we're saved by the hearing of the gospel. And so this is really important, Joe. But what about these other aspects of Catholicism that people may not be getting at the 15-yard line when they're watching these shows, yeah. and only if people bring them up? What are some of those other now, aspects? This is important to understand because they teach a works basis, works righteousness, which the Bible condemns works righteousness as a means to be right with God through doing enough good works and, and thereby being accepted. Uh, Chad, you had mentioned in the Book of Mormon where they, uh, they, you know, Joseph Smith and those who collaborated together to put up out this fictitious book, uh, calling it scripture, uh, that you're saved by grace after all that you can do, meaning, yeah, you're saved by grace, but after you can do all these things. And Chad, you mentioned, I just wanted to piggyback on that, that, that uh, we recognize that as heresy, as false teaching. A couple things that are very interesting parallel-wise is, is that the Mormon church would say, well, the Bible is the word of God as long as it's translated, right? Uh, that's what the, 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 the that's what, you know, uh, but it, it's got some errors, but we're the top authority. So as long as translated right means translated according to what we now teach is from God, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine of Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, Book of Abraham, all these other heretical books they've added on. Uh, and by the way, that's what Islam does. Well, the, the Bible has a lot of the word of God, but when it's translated to, to you know, go along with the Quran, that's what the, you know, the JWs do. Well, the Bible's the word of God, but if you have the Bible alone and not the watchtower, you'll be in darkness in two years. Or Roman Catholicism. The Bible's the word of God, but as long as you understand it being translated according to our doctrines and our papal bulls and our ex-cathedras and so forth. So when you look at all that, it gets really crazy because uh, Joseph Smith also, I have his new translation of the Bible, the founder of the, of the cult leader of the Mormon church. And Joseph Smith clearly states in chapter four in Romans there, as I was perusing through it uh, before, it, where it says literally in Romans that he, God justifies the wicked. I mean, how do we come to Christ? Remember the wicked man who couldn't even look up to heaven and he, he just beat his chest, God have mercy on me. And Jesus says he left justified. Amen. Not the guy that was fasting twice a week and bragging about how righteous he was. That man left justified right with God. He justifies the wicked. And of course he would transform his life, but it was a free gift of forgiveness, right? Well, Joseph Smith takes that verse where it says God justifies wicked. He adds God, then he adds does not justify the wicked. And of course, for them, for Mormonism, the righteous are those who follow Joseph Smith's teachings, right? Uh, so it's interesting when you see that, that almost any, any apologist worth their salt would look at what Joseph Smith's doing and teaching works righteous and condemn that as a false gospel. But the backup of Rome and some kind of, it just breaks my heart. It's like, don't they see their inconsistencies when they're teaching just as, I mean, Catholicism isn't, what the Galatians were doing was taking some things from the Old Testament and so you got to keep these great with God. And that was considered another gospel. That wasn't advertised by the Apostle Paul. How much more taking doctrines that you make up out of thin air or the doctrines of demons. Johnny come lately, doctrines of men. And you say, you got to keep all these things to be right with God too to get into heaven. How much more damnable, they're just as damnable, they'll get you the same damnable place. But guess what? People should see Roman Catholicism as a false gospel a mile away, Chad. Now let's check some of these other things out because that they teach because they pertain to part of their false gospel. You have to believe these things. You have to submit to certain things here uh, to actually go into heaven. In fact, Mary, if it wasn't for Mary, she helps merit our salvation. In fact, she plays a role alongside Jesus when he's dying on the cross as, as a co-redemptrix, as a, a co-mediator of sorts. You pray to her. She can plead to her son because, you know, you know, you know, women can be a lot nicer. You want to go to mommy instead of daddy. And I've seen quotes like that. I've used some of them too from Roman Catholic leaders that you can pray to Mary because you'll get more answers. Uh, and she becomes, she becomes a different Mary. She's not, praise God for the Mary of the Bible. 
You know, she is blessed among women to this day. Praise God for God using her. I can't wait to meet her in heaven and say, praise the Lord. But guess what? She's not the queen of heaven. She's not seated at the right hand of God as Roman Catholicism teaches and calls her the queen of heaven. She's not sinless. She wasn't assumed to heaven. She had to have her sins paid for just like everybody else. And she definitely can't hear your prayers. I mean, I'm a grandpa now, so I don't have to just listen to three kids. I have to listen to six uh, grandchildren. Well, one's still in the tummy, but that's a grandchild too. They're all, they're all belong to the Lord. They're all living. But that's me, nine, nine of them. And I have a hard time listening to two or three at once talk to me when, as the kids were growing up. Now my grandchildren. But Mary, one, I believe, is listening to millions of people at once praying to her. That's because they're making her beyond. But by the way, Chad, you have to believe these things and you have to accept Mary. And Mary's treasury of her own righteousness seems to add to certain saints so they can get out of purgatory sooner and have salvation. That's a false gospel. And I know we're going to touch on this more on the next episode of this when we talk about Sola Scriptura and, and whether or not, what our authority is and so forth. But I find it just so unbelievably interesting when you read from the scriptures, because all those things you just mentioned, I know he just kind of blew past them, but we're going to get in more depth in yeah, other episodes we're not as Mary, well. But we're on the false gospels. That's part of their false gospel. <laughs> and when we talk about that and when he brings those up, go back to your Bible. Just read through your Bible. And you can get to Acts chapter 1, verse 14, and then after Acts chapter 1, verse 14, then write every time in the New Testament where you even see Mary mentioned. Well, you don't even need a pen for that. No, you don't. <laughs> no, for the rest of the Bible. rest of the Bible. Not mentioned. We are talking about these letters, right? Let's talk about the pastoral epistles. 1 Timothy chapter 3.15 says, hey, just make sure this is done just like this in all the churches, right? Mm-hmm. This is how it's supposed to be, right? We read through... Uh, pastoral epistles, you read through letters to churches, how things are supposed to be run, uh, the the ministries that God has given so that the church won't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and yet all these things that are so important that they're usually the biggest thing at a Catholic church is usually Mary, by the way. They have Jesus all bloody in the back, and there's Mary, you know, with her beautiful, you know, face and everything. It's heartbreaking, but this is going to come down to an epistemological question when we get into episode two of this, when we talk about the scripture alone. But I, I wanted to point that out as we move forward, because just look at your Bibles, guys. Literally no mention of it. All of the apostles just have forgot to mention any of the things that the Catholic yeah. Church has dogmatized. It's yeah, pretty even interesting. before you get to Acts one fourteen, Chad, as you mentioned, which is a great point. Prior to that, when you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, it seems as Je- Jesus, and it shouldn't seem, we know it's true, he understands that Mary's going to get twisted into some kind of goddess, a queen of heaven, uh, by a false church system. And I believe he anticipates that because more than once you see, you know, they'll say, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and sisters are out there waiting for you. And Jesus is like, who's my mother and my brothers and sisters? But those who hear the word of God and keep it. Mm. Uh, I mean, he did this more than once he in this kind of scenario. And I just think it's interesting that... Uh, Moving on, because I know we have to get to other aspects of this false gospel. They also teach that the blood of Jesus wasn't good enough to actually pay for all of our sins to the point where we don't have to still suffer and burn ourselves to pay for some of our own sins. And that's the doctrine of purgatory. Uh, and not, since we brought up Mormonism earlier, and you just said us, I don't know how, but a, a good tangent because some interesting parallels. Uh, Mormonism also teaches that the blood of Jesus doesn't remit for all sins or true Mormonism. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the newest mask of Mormonism. But Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and the other teachers taught that, hey, there's certain sins that you commit that the blood of Jesus Christ just can't handle. It just can't pay for. So Brigham Young said, if there's people that have committed certain sins, let us know after the service. We'll have you go in the back of the church and we'll stone you or we'll shed your blood uh, to remit those particular sins. 
Uh, and he said, if I caught my wife with another man, I'd, I'd stick a javelin through both of them, you know? And as soon as I, as easy as I'd eat an apple because I want to atone for their sins. Uh, they have taught that Judas didn't, you know, just hang himself. He was kicked to death. That's why his bowels gushed out because the apostles were helping him atone for his sins on and on and on. Well, guess what? That's a false teaching. Anybody that looks at that says, that's heresy. That's rank heresy. False teaching. Salvation is a gift. It's not something you can do. You have to suffer, shed your blood. Well, guess what? Rome teaches you've got to go and burn in purgatory. Literally, they talk about the flames of purgatory. You have to suffer in purgatory to pay for your venial sins. That is just rank heresy. Another thing they teach is also the brown scapular. That if you wear, Chad, that brown scapular uh, and you wear it at the time of your death, you'll be able to escape the suffering and purgatory after just spending some time there. In fact, according to uh, the New Catholic Encyclopedia, 1967 edition, volume 12, page 1115, it states, quote, According to the Carmelite legend, Our Lady appeared to St. Simon Stock in Cambridge in 1251 and showing him a brown scapular declared that whoever wore it until death would be preserved from hell. And on the first Saturday after his death would be taken by her, that is Mary, to heaven. So isn't it interesting? Mary is the Savior. She's giving new revelation. She's gonna, there's going to be a second coming of Mary where she's going to take people from, and it happens over and over again, right? Uh, from purgatory uh, to heaven. This is not the Mary of the Bible. This is a delusion. These are doctrines of demons bringing false gospels. In fact, Chad, this is uh, a, a papal bull. We learned that Our Lady Mary wished to make it known to all that on Saturday after their death, she would deliver them from purgatory from all who wore the Carmelite scapular. Now, Chad, if I told you, bro, hey, man, you need to start keeping the, uh, the, the circumcision. You need to be circumcised, Chad. We've got a place designated in the back of the church for you, and you need to be circumcised so you can, you can merit your salvation and be right with God. That would be heresy. But how come if I tell you, hey, wear this brown scapular, Chad, and then you won't have to burn for the rest of your sins after you die, they're unconfessed, when you go into purgatory, and you'll just get out the, the Saturday after you get there, and Mary will come and deliver you. That's not heresy. That's not a false gospel. Let's be honest, you brothers and sisters. This is a false gospel. And we say this because we love Roman Catholics. Again, millions of people have come out of Roman Catholicism and they realize, wow, I didn't know the Catholic Church taught all this. A lot of times they don't know. You say 15-yard line beyond what that's in, what's taught in the end zone. Brothers and sisters that are in Christ, dig your feet in the ground and not move from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those of you who don't know Jesus Christ, or those of you who are believing these doctrines that you got to do this to earn favor with God, reject them and accept the beauty of the gospel that, as Paul said, we're saved by grace. By grace, God's, God's undeserved favor, His kindness, is, we're saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, it's a free gift, not of works, nothing you could do, lest anyone should boast. No one's be able to boast, I got out of purgatory earlier because I had my brown scapular, you know? That's a lie from the now, pit of hell. You know, Joe, one of the things when we, we do a lot of gospel sharing in specific areas that are Catholic strongholds, places like in Costa Rica and in Mexico and yeah. so forth. And it's not just there, it's everywhere that I know that when I share the gospel there, and a lot of you guys who pay attention to this show and, and 5-11 News and so forth, when I share the gospel, there are certain texts that I almost always preach. And one of them has to do with Jesus Christ on the cross and his last words and the reason for that is because, one, when we understand the, just the darkness of sin and really what it cost, we get to see how glorious of Savior. When we understand the depths and the darkness of how wicked sin is, then we see how great of a Savior that we Amen. have. And also, Lord, I always like to remind us, specifically because we talk to Catholics a lot, 
I asked him about the Lord's Prayer, which is really our prayer because Jesus never prayed, forgive me my sins, because yeah. he never sinned. But it's a prayer that we have, that we cry out. And I know it's something that I love praying over my children. We pray it. It's part of our prayer life together. But one of the things we pray is forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And the words there have to do with debt. In fact, a lot of translations, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the reason I like to bring that up is because when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out a Greek word, Amen. which meant paid in full. You might see it is finished. And it was an accounting term that would be stamped on a debt that was paid. And it's not paid in part. It's not, oh yeah, there'll be a couple more things that you have to pay once you get down from here and all. And no, 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 it's paid in full, which lines up directly with the same John who writes in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from some sins except for the venial Mortal ones. Sins, but not venial sins, yeah. yeah. No, that's not what it says. What does it really say? All sin. Amen. And so the corruption of the blood of Jesus is what is going on when you talk about specifically purgatory and all of this nonsense. It spits on the blood of Jesus. It Rome spits does. on the blood of Jesus. It says it's just not enough to pay for the sins of the world, which Jesus Christ said so clearly he would do in John 3, 16, as you quoted, that he would come and he would die for us, yeah. that he was given and it was paid in full. It's not paid in part. And anyone who would add something and take away by adding Amen. that that sort of thing, that can be anathema. That's why Paul uses such harsh language and yeah. says, if you preach another gospel, then that which you preach, you let it be accursed. Uh, it's anathematized. Uh, you have this false gospel also with what they call the treasury of merit. Again, merit is to earn your way into God's favor to have eternal life. And they call it the treasury of merit. And guess what? It's not merit from what Christ has done. It's a treasury of merit that is built up uh, uh, by other so-called saints that have had so much righteousness that they were able to earn their own salvation, except for Mary. She's a saint that didn't have to earn her salvation because she never sinned, which is a lie. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, uh, not one, you know, uh, very, very clear. But they're told that the saints that have extra righteousness that Peter was given before he died by Jesus, you won't read this in the Bible because it's just fantasy made up by the Roman Catholic Church, that Jesus was that Jesus gave to the apostle Peter cups full, of, a, a treasury of merit, and he could get cups full of these merits, and these merits are the righteous things other saints will have done through the ages. And what he could do is get cups full of these and, and dispense them upon certain righteous, worthy souls, thereby they can become more righteous because of the good works of other saints, and thereby earn their way out of purgatory sooner, uh, get over their venial sins, and get righteous sooner. And you, if they, I'm not making this up. Listen to this. This is one of the teachings. A treasury, this is... Uh, uh, again, we're quoting over and over again from the Council of Trent. We're quoting from Vatican II. We're quoting from the, the, the Catechism of the, of the Catholic Church. We're quoting from Papal Bulls. But they straight, state, quote, a treasury entrusted to the blessed Peter and his successors, Christ's vicars on earth, to distribute to the faithful for their salvation. And it goes on to say the treasury includes the prayers and good works of the Blessed Virgin Mary, plus the prayers and good works of all the saints who attained their own salvation. That the treasury of those who attain their own salvation and at the same time cooperated in the saving of their brothers have carried their crosses to make expiation for their own sins 
and for the sins of others. So when we carry our cross, take up your cross, and follow me. Just when you carry your cross, you're you're expating, you're 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 blotted out, you're paying for your own sins, but not just your sins, you're paying for the sins of others because your your righteousness can be taken, not yours. Certain saints put in the treasure of merit, and Peter can go. These other people are going to hurt you. Earn your salvation, but these people going to help you earn your salvation as well. Chad, these are just, I'm sorry, brothers and sisters in Christ that know Jesus. You need to put your feet deep into the true gospel of Jesus Christ because there's a heretical, demonic movement afoot in the ecumenical world whereby the world is coming, the world religions are coming together, okay? And under Antichrist, they're going to fall lockstep. And it's the true Christians, just as Rome killed countless thousands and thousands of Christians who've denied these doctrines through the centuries. Those who don't succumb to these false teachings in the end days will also be put to death under the Antichrist. So, Joe, I mean, we're seeing some pretty rank heresy with all of this. And I think that people might be looking at this and being like, wow, I didn't realize all the things that are being taught there from Rome. And it's interesting because, you know, like I said, we've gone to a lot of Catholic strongholds in terms of the places we've gone and a lot of places that have been conquered by you know, the Spanish or so forth at some times and some t- places as well and converted a lot of them uh, with the sword. That's been a popularized uh, theory thanks to some of the uh, views by Augustine and so forth of just war theory and, and all of that. But nonetheless, whether that was you know overused or not. But we look at this, Joe, and we see that. But a lot of times it's interesting. You talk to people and you share the gospel with them on the street and they go, oh, yeah, I believe that. But then you'll ask, well, are you praying to saints? Are you praying to Mary? Are you doing these things? Like, oh, no, I don't really do that. I just pray to the Lord. And you're like, well, guess what? Maybe you're just not Catholic, really. But sadly enough, because of the way it is, there's that popularized saying, right? I was born a Catholic, and I'll die a Catholic. And it's a sad thing when you hear that, because it's like, I'm putting my foot in the ground, and I don't care about truth or anything that I've been shared. And it's heartbreaking but, but Joe, the, the next question, because we've been asking our Catholics, Christians, and I don't say that we can hold to those doctrines and say, oh, yeah, these Catholics that believe these things are Christians, or is this a false gospel? I can't say, when we look at Galatians, as you mentioned, we have nothing against, they do not add all of the things that we've been talking about with Mary, right, with um, when it comes to even the way they view baptism, when it comes to the way that Catholics view, you know, the treasury of merit. All of these things we've talked about, the Galatians weren't doing anything remotely yeah. close to that, to be honest with and you. you had to quickly add on to that yeah. as well, since, and we'll just touch it briefly, is the Roman Catholic Mass Yeah, that, that the priest literally yes. brings Jesus down from heaven. He sacrifices them again. Jesus is re-sacrificed. It's real blood because it's trans-substance. Trans, in some sense, it becomes the blood and the body of Christ again. Chad, you just said, Tetelestai, finished. We know he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Put a Rome, man, he gets up and he gets sacrificed all over again perpetually at every Mass. And that you have to believe that as one of the seven sacraments. You have to believe that and participate in the Mass to have the infusion of Christ in you and be saved in the end. Or you have to submit, well, we're looking at all these things that you have to earn salvation by. Another thing, Chad, you have to, you have to submit to the authority of the Pope. In fact, listen to this, and this is irreversible doctrine, okay? That's why the, church, the Catholic Church is called uh, unum sanctum. And uh, the Pope, we're told, quote, that the Roman Catholic Church has to, this bull came out 1302 and it still stands, we declare and say and define that it is absolutely necessary for the salvation of every human creature to be subject to the Roman pontiff. In other words, you have to be owned by the Roman Pope to actually get into heaven. 
So you are multiplying the heresies of different ways you have to work for your salvation. There's two more we just added. So yeah, they're in dire straits. Roman Catholics need to be saved. Yeah, and it is heartbreaking. You mentioned the Mass there, and they call it an unbloody sacrifice. And literally, we get the term hocus-pocus from the terminology that they use in terms of them actually believing that a priest, which we haven't even talked about the priesthood, uh, we'll have to do that in in an upcoming episode, but but that the priest has the power to call down Jesus from heaven. And and that, to me, and, and you mentioned this already, and all this stems really from a misunderstanding, for whatever reason, I believe because it's another gospel, but a misunderstanding of justification and sanctification, where they believe that when you're partaking in that communion, that you are infusing grace, and it's yeah. almost like it empties out and needs to be picked back up at the control of the local priest who is going to be giving you this hocus-pocus version of, of the communion that should be done in another re- mediator between God and man. Another, oh, 100%. Yeah. And once again, rather than the Melchizedek priesthood that Jesus had with no genealogy, I think the book of Hebrews, the book of Galatians, these books are a direct polemic against so many of the doctrines of Rome. Absolutely. And if you just once, would read times. them. Once, he died once. Yeah, but the unbloody sacrifice over and over again. You notice that the crosses that they use— keep Jesus on the cross because they are doing that every single Mass. When people ask me about, you know, Christians and Catholics and stuff, the Catholics that are attending that Mass and going and putting Jesus to death over and over and over and over again, millions of people all over the world, it's a heartbreaking thing of a death that died once and to tell us I paid it in full. And so it it is a heartbreaking thing, Joe. So I know we kind of touched on can Catholics be saved earlier. So I want to ask the question— if someone is a Catholic or maybe considering converting, what is something that you would t- tell them right now? How would you maybe convince them to come out of Catholicism or somebody that's thinking about jumping ship and, and you know, as they say, going across the river there or into Rome? What would you say to that person to keep them from doing that? Well, I've actually shared it with a number of Roman Catholics and I've led a number of Roman Catholics to Christ, including every single one of my family members, which made seven of us after I came to Christ. Uh, but one by one, I've been able, our fellowship, I asked how many had been Roman Catholics before, and uh, I couldn't believe how many hands went up. It was like 65, 70%. It was just huge. And that's just part and parcel of so many people that have come to Christ. Uh, so when I when I share the gospel with Roman Catholics, uh, first of all, I make sure that they're really Roman Catholics because a lot of people call themselves Roman Catholics and they they don't even really understand what Rome teaches. They just think they've got to be good enough, confess their sins to their priest uh, periodically, and hopefully they'll go to heaven. Most Roman Catholics that you run into have are, aren't Christians or really Roman Catholics. They're just a pot, they're just living wicked lives. And they need to repent and get right with Jesus. But those who are true Roman Catholics, but there are, as I mentioned, people in the Roman Catholic Church who don't adhere to these doctrines are truly trusting Jesus and don't really understand fully what Rome, Rome teaches, and are newer believers or what have you that need to be understand what truth is and come out of Rome and, and, and follow Jesus. But if I'm talking to someone who is actually a Roman Catholic, and they adhere to Roman Catholic teaching, they believe that it's through, uh, you know, uh, that Christ being re-sacrificed or continually to be sacrificed, as they will often say, uh, on, on, on the, at the Mass, and they believe that they have to be submitted to the Pope's leadership, and they have to, you know, uh, burn their earn their way out of purgatory and burn their way out of purgatory to finally be saved, and things like that. Uh, I say some the same similar things I say to I would say to the Galatians. If I run into someone who believes 
I got to be circumcised to be right with God. And I got to, I got to keep the Sabbath and do these all things. I'll, I'll let them know. I say, Hey, you know what? Just let you know. And I'll show you're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. And then I'll separate the false doctrines, whether they're trying to be put under the law of Christ or, or the, I'm sorry, the law of Moses instead of the law of Christ, or whether they're adding doctrines on, depending on who I'm talking to. With a Roman Catholic, I'll encourage them is I'll turn the lights on. I'll simply share scripture with them as to what Jesus did for them. I'll warn them not to pray. I'll give Jesus words where Jesus says, because they pray these, you know, you know, repetitious prayer at ad nauseum over and over again and, the, and, and so forth. And I'll say, hey, Jesus said, don't be like the pagans praying repetitious prayers as though God will hear you. I'll say, Jesus said, call, you know, no man father. He's definitely talking about religious people calling them father. I'll show where Jesus talked about salvation is simply by grace through faith. I'll share these different things with them. And I'll share Paul's words that were saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves, the gift of God, not of works of sin, we should boast. Those types of scriptures in the eyes just over and over and they just open up. Again, they'll say, I, I didn't know that. And I'll say, hey, do you truly want to be saved? Roman Catholics, those who go to the Roman Catholic Church and call themselves Roman Catholics, I've found are the easiest people by far and away for me to lead to Christ. And that is because the common ground, although just like the Galatians would have common ground, except for the heresies, I'm able to say, hey, man, praise God, you, you believe that Jesus is God. A lot of them don't even know a lot of biblical doctrine, but I'm able to affirm uh, certain things. And then while I'm affirming that, I'll be able to say, hey, but you know, uh, it's possible that you've been bamboozled. Because I'll usually do this, Chad. I'll say, hey, if you were to die today, you were to go before God, and he said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? This is the most, this is probably the easiest thing that I can share with you to do on a practical basis. And I'll say, what would you say to God? And almost invariably, almost invariably, they'll say that I've, you know, been a good person, that I obeyed the Catholic Church, you know. I, I go to the Catholic Church, or I do something I go, so you think God would let you in on the basis of what you've done? And they'll, yeah, you know. And then I'll share scriptures that he saved us, not because of things that we have done, Titus 3, 5, but on the basis of, of his mercy, on the basis of his grace. And I'll share those types of scripture with them. That's when their eyes just get open. They're like, wow. And that's when you hear things like, I didn't know that. I, I never read that before. I don't read my Bible. And then I'll say, hey, this is the true gospel of Jesus Christ that he died for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose again and conquered the grave. That's, it's about him. It's about the God who made you, who loves you so much that he became a man and was slaughtered in your place to bear all of your sin so you could be saved right now. You don't have to suffer later in purgatory. You can have the free gift of salvation by simply embracing Jesus and, and, and putting your trust in him as your Lord and Savior. And then they're ready to come to Christ. And then uh, they, they, I say, you know, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Just cry out to Jesus. You'll be saved right now, man. Put your faith in Christ. They'll cry out to the Lord. They'll be saved. And, I, and that's why we have millions and millions of people from not me, of course, all kinds of us doing just that and leading people to Christ that have come out of the Roman Catholic Church and have been genuinely saved, know Jesus, have great relationships with him and are growing in Christ and praise God. And we pray that you're hearing this now. You might be one of those. You might be one of those guys that's like, man, you know what? I totally know what, what you said. It makes perfect sense. I had no idea Rome was such a false gospel. And I totally want to know Jesus. And I want to know him on his terms, not on the Roman Catholic terms. Well, then follow his terms. He says, if, as the scriptures say, if you repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, you know? So the scriptures are very clear. He said, unless you repent, you all likewise perish. That means you have to change your heart, change your mind, say, no, I'm no longer going to follow Roman doctrine, false teachings of Rome, and I'm going to embrace Jesus Christ alone as my Lord and Savior and put my faith in him. And the Bible says you'll pass from death to life and that you'll have eternal life right now. 
If you're to die after this, which you will sometime, the Bible says, Jesus said, that uh, the Bible says, Apostle Paul said, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You won't go to purgatory, man. You'll go to be with Jesus. And we praise God for that. Amen. We do hope that for you, anyone who's listening. God bless you guys. Love you guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.